Hello, everyone. My name is Miranda Bartos, and this is the Big Q Podcast. So part two of the alcohol and responsibility episode was supposed to air this week, but some recent events on our campus have come to light that I felt were more important to talk about at the moment. Um, The first of these events is the decision of Vice Provost Jeannie Rosenberger to overturn the Associated Student Government's ruling on Turning Point USA's status as a registered student organization. Uh, thereby establishing a clear hierarchy of power over students and their elected representatives and effectively invalidating any say that students and ASG members believed they had over the types of clubs that are given funding and university approval. The second of these events was the university's censoring of the Santa Clara newspaper in order to attempt to cover up an embarrassing comment in the article actively oppressing the Santa Clara's right to freedom of the press. Uh, These actions together form the clear beginnings of a pattern of behavior on the part of the university. Here today to discuss these events and the issues they present are Avery Unterreiner and Sophie Mattson. Avery, who are you at SCU? Hi, so I'm currently a graduate student in uh, our School of Education, but last year I was the Senate Chair on Associated Student Government, and I was also the Associate Director of Santa Clara Community Action Program, or SCAP. Great. Sophie, who are you at SCU? So this is my second year as Editor-in-Chief of the Santa Clara, and I'm a senior. Awesome. Well, thank you both for being here today. So let's talk about some of the ethical implications of what's been going on recently. Um, So to start off, if we take the common good approach to ethics, two of the major institutions on this campus designed to represent and protect the common good are the student government and the student newspaper. So what have been the impact of these recent decisions on the common good in our community, particularly for the Santa Clara, whose rights should have been protected in the first place by freedom of the press, um, which in and of itself exists to protect the common good? So I definitely believe that the administration's decision to censor our article about the Sobrato donation was not in the best interest of the common good by any means. Um, I believe that an article, the information from an article should be taken out, redacted, that um, an article should be changed if the information in the article is misquoted, factually incorrect, and um, is something that sensationalizes certain information. And I truly believe that our article did not like fall under that criteria by any means. I feel like the I know I know for a fact that the the information we had in the article is not misquoted or misrepresented in any way, shape, or form. And um, if that was not the case, then I would I do believe that it would be like in the in the common in the best interest of the common good to um, to take down that information. Yeah, but that wasn't the case. Yes. It was not. Do you have any feelings? Yeah. um, I think that sort of the way that I would take this is that the blessing and the curse of the bureaucracy is that things move really slowly and only with the agreement of the majority. And 
that was definitely something I was frustrated by when I was Senate chair, um, because even as an impartial facilitator, I obviously had my own opinions and some things didn't go the way that I wanted to. Um, and sometimes, sometimes things did, uh, but either way it was very slow and very laborious and there was a lot of discussion and debate and dissection of everything that we talked about. Um, but the good thing is that when a decision was then made, it was with the, every voice of every representative being listened to and our constituents being listened to. And I think that even if that's slow, that's the way that it should be. And that's the way that the decision was made in the first place. And so I think that to negate that by overriding a decision that was done democratically and with a lot of due process, you're just opening it up for um, an, a not representative person or group of people to make decisions for the community um, based on other factors besides that representation and that aspect of like communicating with your constituents and making decisions for them and I just think that that's pretty dangerous yeah definitely uh, so along the lines of free speech can we allow and protect free speech for organizations like the Santa Clara and then not do the same for organizations like Turning Point is there a difference so um I feel like comparing in a situation in which a club did not receive RSO status for the quarter, but then had the opportunity to reapply for it um, the next quarter is like apples and oranges when you compare that to the Santa Clara, because a newspaper should be able to report information in an unbiased way without fear of retaliation from its publisher. And, um, we receive close to $70,000 in funding from the administration, something that we value and something like, we, if we did not have that funding, we would not be able to um, function as a newspaper in the same way. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I think that it's pretty easy to confuse uh, your right to free speech with your right to say anything you want and be granted the privilege to continue doing so with no system of checks. And I don't think that the student governments, at least to my understanding, reasoning of why they denied Turning Point was fundamentally based in not liking what they had to say. I think that it was for um, other reasons, such as their similarity to other RSOs and sort of the conflict that they were having with denying certain affiliations with certain things that Turning Point espouses, but then agreeing with others. Um, and I think that it was a simple decision that's their right as representative to say, let's put this off for another quarter. And I don't think that that's denying them free speech. You know, they're allowed to use their voices as loudly and as much as they want. Um, because that's our legal right as United States citizens. But I think that then the senators were just as much using their right to disagree with their approval at the current moment. Um, 
And I think that it's dangerous to talk about free speech as though um, it's just your ability to constantly say anything you want and have nobody um, fighting back against it because that's what people do is they debate and discuss and everybody has a right to do that. Yeah, exactly. And um, a lot of students have um, have actually asked me and my fellow editors over the years, um, like, does the school control the content you put out? And um, up until this point, I did think it was a little ridiculous how so many people were just convinced that um, the school had some sort of influence over what we published. And... Um, and now seeing this, it just made me a lot more, um, a lot more, yeah, a lot more wary of um, of the administration controlling editorial content. Because after this happened, I'm concerned that after I leave as editor, that the administration's going is going to um, make more of an effort to influence the content we publish and try to find out what stories we're working on and um, maybe stop them from being published before um, before we release them like online or in print. Right. Well, and the the implication that like they might be controlling other things as well if they're controlling one thing, it, it snowballs into like what do we trust? And I feel like a lot of people do view this administration as kind of a black box. And um, and they do – a lot of people have criticized the administration for lack of transparency. And now I, I completely understand why, even more so than um, I thought before. Yeah. On that exact note about transparency, how do both of you feel about the university's decision to release the information about the change in – Turning Point's RSO status uh, late on a Friday night with the pertinent information not even in the body of the email, but rather in a link. Do you think that this is another issue of transparency? Um, I was a bit surprised that the original email did not say, uh, we have decided to grant TPUSA RSO status, and it was just in the body of the um like of the link instead of in the email mm -hmm. and I guess the timing a lot of students are maybe out partying at that time or um getting ready to go out or having dinner and not really focused on their emails but um at the same time I know that TPUSA gave the vice provost their appeal to become an RSO and like to overturn um ASG's decision on Sunday night so it was um, it was like less than a week before Jeannie released that decision. Okay. So um, I don't. She it didn't seem like very much time was taken to like make this decision, considering like all of the um, all the factors that went into it and like all of the um, outcry from students and alumni. Right. Um, I think that the timing of the email I went back and forth on because. On the one hand, if you make a decision that you know a lot of people are going to be angry with, I might want to have the excuse of the weekend to not deal with the backlash of it. So I kind of think that that's fair. Um, but I didn't particularly like the vagueness of it and the fact that I was, I was very confused by um, what it was about until I read it. Yeah, and it seemed too. like a little bit of a cop-out of, like, 
well, maybe people won't click on the link because they won't be interested enough. Right. Um, although I guess I do understand, you know, it was a very lengthy explanation. Um, the other part that I was bothered by, although this is much more my personal opinion, is that the last aspect of the email was telling students where they could access uh, counseling and psychological services and quite frankly and this is again completely my opinion I felt like if you were making a decision as the vice provost of student life who's in charge of really serving students and making their experience here a good one if you're making a decision that you know is going to require some students that you're there to help to seek psychological services that that might not be the best decision in the first place. Fair. All right. Um, so let's move back to ASG. Uh, what is the point of giving ASG the power to grant RSO status if that power is in name only? If the university gets the final say on every group, why bother pretending that ASG gets a say in it? Uh, yeah, I think that Part of that, um, part of that goes to, unfortunately, the opinion that I think ASG tries very hard to fight against, which is that we don't serve a purpose on campus. And I think that, unfortunately, um, a lot of people outside of the organization don't pay a lot of attention to what ASG does every week to improve the lives of students, to work hard for what students want. Um, to make a lot of positive change on campus. And I think that it's difficult enough to make students care about what student government is doing and to for student government to legitimize itself as an organization of really great significance that to then take one of the most significant um, powers that we have, and not powers, but uh, the area of ASG that arguably connects to the most students uh, as working with RSOs, helping them get funding to do the things that they're passionate about. I think that essentially taking that, not taking that away, but saying, well, if you don't do it the way that we want you to, you don't get to do it. Um, it just makes it all the more difficult for ASG to be seen as an organization who is there for students and who is working to make informed uh, representative choices. And so I think that that is going to be something that's going to be really discouraging for senators who show up every Thursday night and work really hard uh, to do what's best for the people that are their peers. Um, sure. I think that's going to be difficult. It's really hard to be bothered to care when you feel like nothing you do is going to make a difference anyway. Mm -hmm. That's got to be really tough. Um, so who should have the right to make decisions about clubs and allocation of funds to RSOs? Like, should it be students through ASG because we're the ones paying tuition, aren't we? Or do you think it should be the school that that right should reside with the school because they have a stated mission to uphold and by attending this school, we have bought into that mission? And if they think that a club abides by what they have established as their mission, that they should get the final say on it? 
Um, I really do think that it should rest with the student government. Um, honestly, because last year when I was the Senate chair, we had a lot of difficult conversations about like our funding was really tight and realistically the most fiscally responsible decision would be to give clubs less money for the projects and the um, events that they wanted to do. But every time that that got brought up, the overwhelming response from senators was, we want as much as we possibly can to provide the opportunity for students on this campus to share what they're passionate about and to create meaningful and significant ways for students to connect with one another. Um, and I think that perhaps and understandably, if that responsibility were placed with administration, it would be a lot easier for them as, you know, full-grown real adults who are kind of separate from the campus life to make those decisions more conservatively and say, you know, it's just not here for you to do your culture show or the money's just not here for you to do your trip or um, it's just not here for you to go to your women in engineering conference. And so I think that having students in charge of that means that they're more connected to how important those experiences are and they really go out of their way to make them possible. Yeah, that personal connection. Mm -hmm. I think that has a lot of value in the lives of students for sure. Um, so can either of you imagine a scenario in which you think the university should be able to intervene in a situation like this? Um, with regards to um, the, the university censorship of our newspaper, uh, like I said before, if, if we publish information that's factually incorrect and misquoted and um, something that sensationalizes an issue and, um, and isn't substantiated, then I think that the university has the right to tell us, take that information down. Um, and on a, on a side note, we've had pressure from the administration for decades to remove content from articles and um, change the way we report on issues. Um, I've had many um, past um, newspaper staffers and editors reach out to me and tell me um, eerily similar stories mm. of how the administration tried to, um, to censor the newspaper. But it's just that this time they involved the, the university's general counsel. And um, before it was more like the administration just telling them, like, hey, maybe you should remove this or we would like you to remove this. But this time it was the university's attorney sitting down with me in a conference room. Wow. And, um, and I can give you some examples of what the university was upset about in the past. Like in the 60s. A, um, a columnist wrote an opinion article. I didn't know the exact contents, but um, the columnist was called in to a room full of Jesuits that were really, really upset and angry in a conference table. I think the column, the column was about um, homosexuality or something. And um, they, they fired the columnist as a, an RA in the dorms. And then... Um, in 1994, or the mid-1990s, I'm not sure the exact year, um, a, a former new, a TSC editor 
um, wrote a column, and then um, Father Locatelli, um, like, tried to censor the column because he thought that the column was slandering his friend. But it ends up, no, nothing ends up coming from that. And then um, former um, TSC editor Kurt Wagner, who's advised me like a lot about this issue in the past few weeks, told me that he wrote an article and, and he quoted a Jesuit as saying the word hell in his quote, because he actually, he did say that in the quote. And the university tried to pressure him to take that quote down. Hmm. And um, in the past 20 years, this is actually... Um, the second time that we've had to, um, to remove content, um, from publication due to, um, the general counsel stepping in and, um, controlling the content. And, um, the first time in the past 20 years happened around 2007 or 2008. I'm not sure the exact year, but, um, uh, a writer was reporting on a court case that the university was involved in and the article had not been published yet and the university found out that we were reporting on this issue and they said hey it looks it's it's really bad if like our own paper is reporting on a court case we're involved in because it could change the outcome of the court case and i mean you can have your own opinions about that issue or not but um i feel like that differs a lot from this issue because that article had not been published yet and it involved an actual court case that the university was involved in and i do understand why they contacted the newspaper even though i i may not have wanted to um to not publish an article but they ended up not running the article because mm -hmm. of that and i i understand a little bit more why the university like had us like remove that content but this time the article had been published for like a week and, well, and retweeted and and the and the um, and promoted by the university. The university's official Twitter account tweeted the article, and yeah. we have a screenshot of proof of that. Yeah. And that was um, before I got contacted by the vice provost, um, telling me like to take the article down. So it sounds like most of what like all of the examples you've given have been pressured to change to in an attempt to protect an image or cultivate an image yes. instead of for any sound reasoning. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, there's probably no reason that a university should be intervening with maybe the exception of that court case one. Mm -hmm. Because when you're dealing with the law, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Avery, can you see a situation in which you would think you would want the university to be able to step in? Um. Yeah, I think that, uh, to me, the most important part of the Senate and the senators' jobs is to, before they make decisions, to hear from as many constituents as they can by way of communicating with their peers and also uh, openly advertising the topics that are going to be discussed at Senate so that people can be there to speak up for themselves. Right. Transparency. Yeah. And I think that if there were a situation in which the Senate made sort of a closed door decision about something that affected a lot of people and it was based on their own political motivation personally and not on uh, again, any sound reasoning or 
representation of their constituents, then I would absolutely think that that would be a situation in which it would be fair to um, intervene and say, you aren't doing your job. But I think that that was absolutely not the case here. And at least in the years that I've been in student government and I've watched my friends and peers be in student government, that's just realistically not something that ever happens because we check each other and other students are checking us and the people that are above us are advisors and the vice provost and there's just so much um everyone that gets involved in it is a very moral person who is committed to that work of being representative and so I can't imagine that ever happening um but if it did I'm sure it would be valid I just don't think that it did in this case in any way right because the whole point is that it's supposed to serve as a check or like the whole system with ASG and the university having that top level approval mm-hmm. is supposedly to provide checks and balances. But right. this was a situation in which it was already checked and balanced. Right. There were a ton of representatives from Turning Point there. There were a ton of representatives from other student organizations, just students on campus. Um, I mean, I read the minutes a couple times there was so much great conversation going on and debate and great points on both sides and that's all that they're there to do and they did that and then once your vote is informed and you use it I don't think that it's fair for that to be taken away or redacted right and it's not like anyone made a decision on ASG without thinking very carefully it's not Mm -hmm. like they just got steamrolled by the opposition to turning point like it was yeah. a close vote mm-hmm. it was Definitely. very thoroughly deliberated it's almost never that close <laughs> in fact really yeah we're, I remember there was one vote last year that was maybe closer than that but normally um they come to a really good consensus where they can all feel good about the decisions that they're making but sometimes that's not not that it's not possible for them to feel good about the decision, but there's just a lot of contention and that's the way it's going to be. And you just have to go with yeah, the majority, which they did. Well, and that seems like it should say something that like normally these decisions are a lot easier and it's a lot less mm-hmm. close. Like the fact that it was so close should speak to the fact that there was quite a lot of, you know, discussion in, on both sides. Yeah, that's what I think too. And um, – I just published an article on um, the TPUSA decision on our website a couple hours ago, and um, I interviewed the field director for the national organization, Matt Lamb, and he told me that, um, to his knowledge, this is the first time that um, a university administration has stepped in regarding um, a student government decision uh, on TPUSA. Hmm. To his knowledge. So and, other um, student senates have, some have approved and some have denied, right? But nobody has. But the university has upheld those rulings. Yeah. yeah he said usually what happens is um, the the student senate, student government um, d- denies them, but then tells them, hey, you can reapply next quarter or next semester. And then the administration um, says the same thing, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. just reapply and see um, if your club gets approved or not. But um, he said um, that he was, like, a little surprised about how fast this, like, decision came from the administration and how, like, and, and, um, and yeah, it was kind of surprising to me personally that um, this is the first time 
that a university administration like has just gone in and changed what the student government like decided on TPUSA. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Well, all right. Um, Sophie, how do you see these actions and past actions like you described playing out in your organization moving forward? And how do you see it affecting your life on this campus? Um, well, I, after going through this experience, it's really, um, empowered me to continue, um, to do my work and to continue to report on issues that I find important. I'm not going to just sit there and, um, in, in fear that the administration is going to come in and try and control what content we publish. I truly believe that, um, this experience has, um, empowered my staff to continue to um, to ask questions. The reporter that attended the event that we covered in the Sobrato article um, was the only reporter in the room who ended up including that particular quote that was removed in her article. And um, it really like shows to me that our reporters are very inquisitive and um, that they, they want to take many different angles on an article and not just um, put out like a press release like article they want to um, they want to really have an article write articles that are hard hitting and um, and I hope that that this message that we like sent through our like media interviews resonates with the university that like if you try and do this again to us like we're gonna make a fuss about it good that's awesome uh, Avery, how do you see these actions impacting ASG's ability to function on this campus and also your own personal experience on this campus? Um, I guess two parts. I think the first with ASG is um, that I think it just makes it very, I kind of already said this, but it makes it really discouraging for a time and then probably motivating after that um, to feel like for all of the student leaders, not just ASG, but for all student leaders on campus who work really, really hard um, to make good, thoughtful, you know, passionate decisions. I think that it can just be pretty frustrating um, and feel like the idea of, you know, nothing that I'm doing really matters if it can just be taken away when it's not seen as the right choice by one person when it was made by 30 people. Right. Um, and so for all student leaders, I think I feel that. And I hope that they continue to do what they're doing, like Sophie was saying, uh, and continue to be really motivated and driven and excited about what they're doing and feel like it does matter. Um, and for ASG, I hope that they can not be so discouraged um, by this sort of prevailing idea that ASG isn't a serious organization, which I think a lot of people take without knowing anything about what they do. Um, And for me, and this isn't really for me, but I sort of wrote this a little bit in a letter that I gave Sophie that is going to be published on the Santa Clara website, like an opinion letter. But um, I think that the main reason people are opposed 
the turning point, not ASG, but the other people that were there protesting it, is because a lot of the events that they do and the people that they associate with themselves with are incredibly prejudiced and <laughs> racist and misogynist. And I'm not saying that that is the viewpoint of every person that's trying to make this RSO and RSO, but um, the national organization itself has a lot of views that I really morally disagree with. And I think that what I'm feeling is like there's a lot of students on this campus, uh, queer students, students of color, undocumented students, um, Muslim students, and students from other religious backgrounds that aren't Catholic, who have been feeling like they aren't given what they need to feel like they belong here for a really long time. And it's sad to see that the things that they've been fighting for for years are taking their time with this due process and sort of the back and forth of, oh, well, these things take time and we can't just make those changes for you overnight. And then in comes a group who is associated with a national organization that essentially doesn't believe that a lot of these students should even be here, <laughs> um, doesn't believe that affirmative action is um, an acceptable way to be understanding of students like racial and socioeconomic backgrounds um the fact that an organization that holds those beliefs to some degree gets what they want overnight when students of color have been fighting for what they need for a really long time uh i think that that is pretty discouraging as well um especially for people who are on campus and are going to remain on campus for the next few years to feel like that so yeah yeah it seems like in all of these things a huge issue is the imbalance that this has created definitely all right well thank you both so much for being here today with me and addressing these important issues i'm miranda bartos and this is the big q podcast